Well, as uh, Pastor Kevin said, my name is Dave Warner. Uh, I grew up in Licking County, uh, out in a little town called Croton. Familiar with Croton? All right. I uh, used to have bumper stickers that would say, where the heck is Croton? Um, that's what we'll have to say in here. Uh, but it's where the Hartford Fair is. Um, and uh, I'll talk more about that little specific thing here in a minute. But I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. Um, uh, we've been, uh, Kevin and I have been friends for a long time. In fact, as you guys were planting, and the, and the, the vision for this church was coming around. Oh, how many years ago, Kevin, was that that you all planted this church? Do you, 11? 11 years? Okay. He's busy back there. He's working. <laughs> 11 years ago, I sat on a team at the district level where they were uh, talking and discussing about uh, financing this crazy thing called Church in the Mall. And uh, I got to vote on that, and I said, yeah, give those guys some money. They're doing great things. Um, and they've continued. You guys have continued to do wonderful things to bless our community. I want to I wanna thank Pastor Kevin and honor him and all the hard work and, and uh, dedication he has had in this physical space with these people that are present here. Uh, what a great, fantastic leader he is. And Pastor Mariah, right alongside, um, uh, carrying this, this mantle that we call pastoral leadership. And I'm grateful for her. She's over taking care of my flock right now. Uh, uh, she's probably about halfway through her message. We start just a little bit earlier than you all. So um, we're in this series that uh, Pastor Mariah and I worked on together. We started uh, dreaming this up last before uh, Christmas, like last December. And then in January, February, we met a couple times to kind of flesh it out a little bit. But we settled on this title, DTR, Define the Relationship. I've been listening to um, her messages here, so I wouldn't uh, copy everything that she's already said. She's done a great job at, at defining what DTR means, which is define the relationship. Um, uh, and so I actually took what she said last or two times ago to introduce it and use that last week for my message because I was like, she did a great job. I'm just going to steal that. I just swiped it. Um, uh, but defining the relationship, I'm sure you all know this by now, just is this idea that we have to put some, some language around our relationships. Now, my wife and I, we both come from Lincoln County. We met in 4-H. Anybody 4-H? Okay. Uh, the Hartford Fair was the reason why my wife and I met. We joined a, a, a club. I was in middle school. She was late elementary. And uh, uh, for twice a month, we saw each other. We were friends. We just kind of grew up together, sort of. And then um, at one point in later high school, I was like, huh, she's, she's kind of nice. I think I like her. And then so, so I asked her out. And then I asked her out again. And then I asked her out again and again and again. And at some point, we had to DTR, right? We had to define the relationship because the relationship was different than it was when I was in seventh grade and she was in fifth grade, right? We saw each other twice a month at that point. The responsibilities that she had for our relationship and the responsibilities that I had for that relationship were different and especially different than what they are now because we eventually got married. Uh, and now we see each other still twice a month at 4-H meetings <laughs> when we cross paths there 
you know how busy it can be. But we want to, we kind of need to define the relationships, especially because you don't want to be the only one that says, I love you, right? You get that out there. You don't be the only one that says that. You want it to come back to you. So it might be helpful if you did a little DTR before you jumped into that big, you know, that big level of commitment. So, so that's really what, what DTR is. And, and, and you know, you probably know that already because Mariah does a better job explaining that stuff than I do. Um, uh, but, but what we've been doing is going through our relationships with God. And like last week you talked about uh, consumerism or consumption. Um, uh, it's okay to consume things. God said that you could have all the garden available to you except for this one tree and that's exactly what Adam and Eve went and got and it was the thing that consumed them that was the problem um, and I talked about our relationship with ourselves last Sunday at our church and so we're switching spots now and I'm going to try again on this sermon with you guys and she's doing hers over there at our place we're talking about our relationships with ourselves. And that's kind of a strange concept, isn't it? A relationship with ourselves. How do you have a relationship with yourself? It, it takes two to tango, doesn't it? It takes two. Um, and our, no, we're not uh, talking about some sort of like alternate personality kind of thing. Probably a better way to state it is what is it like for you and your self-esteem? Um, your relationship with yourself, your self-care. Um, uh, oh, these guys are changing the slides for me. I said I would do it. Uh, thank you. Good. You just go for it. I'm terrible at that, too. Um, you, you are always in some sort of communication with yourself. And, and our goal today is to look at how we can have a healthy, a healthy relationship with ourselves. Our modern culture has kind of driven us into nationally, driven us into negative states of personal health, personal self-wellness, uh, self-esteem. It's the lowest it's ever been. We've not been tracking those numbers for very long, uh, but most experts blame the rise of social media on our uh, low self-esteem nationally. Um, and I think that's probably a pretty fair assessment because social media can destroy people, especially when we're not rooted and grounded in something other than uh, ourselves. Um, the other thing that I think um, is important to know is that, um, well, well, I think the church would, would tell us this about social media. In general, the church would say, avoid it. Just abstain from it. It's, it's nothing but a bunch of garbage out there. And here's the other thing the church does to us. It has said for the last couple decades that self-esteem is a bunch of new age garbage. Like, it's just namby-pamby, touchy-feely stuff. Uh, you don't need to mess with that, it's just new age stuff. And here's the problem, when we abstain from what the culture is doing, like social media, and then when we blast the thing that's happening in the culture because of social media, then we remove ourselves from the co conversation about what's going on in our culture and we can no longer bring Jesus to the crossroads of faith and the intersection of where life, real life is happening on social media and with, with self-esteem issues. And by just saying, let's abstain from it and, and avoid it altogether, we remove ourselves from the conversation completely. 
So we need to have a healthy understanding of what's going on inside of ourselves. Here's some, some stats. Um, I grabbed these uh, from uh, uh, the great search engine of our time, Google, and uh, found these from websites, um, Royal Society for Public Health, BetterHelp.com, and SelfEsteemSchool.com. Um, uh, rates of anxiety and depression have increased 70% in the last 25 years. 70% of young people report experiencing cyberbullying. I mean, that can, think about how that can impact our self-esteem. 85% of Americans suffer from low self-esteem. I've seen that, uh, I saw that stat everywhere it went. 70% of girls do not consider themselves good enough in some way compared to other girls. 98% of women feel that they have to look a certain way and feel pressure as a result of this. 80% of female students claimed that their negative body image was linked to the negative remarks made by friends and family. See, we hear that word, and then it goes in our heads, and it replays over and over and over. Cosmetic surgery in men to change their looks increased 325% between 1997 and 2018. Gotta be honest with you, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. The gym's hard. Might as well go. <laughs> little nip, little tuck, you know. Put this back here, you know. 50 million Americans suffer from a diagnosable mental disorder in any given year. There's 340 some million of us and 50 million of us suffer from a diagnosable mental disorder. From these self-esteem statistics and facts, we're reminded how damaging it can be when someone doesn't have a positive view of themselves. It can lead to substance abuse, eating disorders, anxiety, depression, promiscuity, Suffice it to say, when we have a poor relationship with ourselves, we tend to behave in destructive ways. And, and eventually, maybe, this problem that we have within ourselves becomes a problem for everybody else. We need to have a healthy relationship with others. It's an individual circumstance that impacts and affects everyone around you. All of these things uh, uh, distort the concept that we had two weeks ago when Pastor Mariah spoke here, two weeks ago, about this. You are created in the image of God. You are created in the likeness of God. You have within you the divine spark of the breath of life that God has given you. I teach a, a pastor's class. Um, actually, last Thursday was our last one. We just call it pastor's class, and we do like a kind of a deep dive theologically into uh, various topics. We don't, it's not like a small group where you come in and talk about your week. No, we don't do that in that particular group. We go theological. And so we studied the book of Ephesians um, this, this last season. And, and two weeks ago, we were talking about um, this, this part of Ephesians. I think it's chapter uh, 5. At the end of chapter 5, no one has hated their own body, is what it says. And, and so we talked kind of deep about that. And one of the participants, I've got a quote, her name's Stacy Montella. She said, it's easier for us to see the image of God in others and treat them as image bearers. But what is so difficult is to remember that the imago dei, the image of God, resides in me. And I need to treat myself as such. Man, 
that hits home pretty hard. Seems like it's easier to, yes, you are made in the image of God. I want to encourage you. But what about me? I need to have a good relationship with myself. Uh, we need to realize that our value is determined by our creator, the one who imagined us up, the one who gave us the breath of life, the one who even did all the work to redeem us back to him. God is the one who determines our value. Not only is that true, we actually have to believe in it. We have to believe it for ourselves. People will walk all over us because we don't believe in our own worth as image bearers of God. And so we settle for what people give us, a false sense of self-worth. That worth that can come from what people tell us, and what people have told us and what we hear replayed over and over in our heads. Remember what I said about the, the young girl, that stat about the young girl. Paul tells us, uh, tells Timothy in uh, his letter to Timothy, the first one, 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. People can say things to make you look down on yourself. People might have a little word or a little thing like, and you just realize, oh, they think lesser of me, and perhaps I ought to think lesser of me. Timothy was a young pastor. People probably gave him a hard time about it, I would guess. I was a young pastor at one point, too. <laughs> I'm no longer that, the young part. I'm still a pastor, but I'm no, young, no longer young. But when I was a young pastor, I would ha people would tell me, oh, you're just too young. You don't understand yet. You've not lived enough life. Kevin, do you, you ever have that? Yeah, and you're, no, you're no longer young either. But back in the day, <laughs> no offense, uh, back in the day, you, would, you hear those sorts of things and you go, man. And, and you know, at the time, I was actually angry about it because I'm like, whatever, dude. You know, I was kind of arrogant because I thought I knew everything. So there was truth in it. I had not experienced everything yet, but I had a wise pastor tell me who was retired. He said, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. You still have a voice from God. You still have something that God has given you to do. When someone looks down on you and makes you start the negative self-talk and lowering your self-esteem, it can come from the voices that are closest to you. Here's another word that Paul gave to Timothy. Here's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and sound mind. Timidity often comes from being unsure of oneself. I'm not sure I'm qualified to do that. Not sure I'm capable of doing those things. We'll hold ourselves back from serving others because we don't feel like we're worthy to do so. We might say, I've made too many mistakes. I'd be a hypocrite if I actually went out and did that. Oh, you guys don't understand. I can't, I can't say something in that situation because if I spoke into it, I'd definitely be a hypocrite. I'm basically a turd, so I've got nothing to offer to this situation. How many times have you thought those things? I am not worthy enough to do this thing. I like to look at things in sort of a, a picture kind of way uh, to see how things are related. And... Um, so, so I've got this thing. We'll throw it on the screen here. Maybe I, I'll get out of the way a little bit. But, but think of it this way. You're probably on this line somewhere. 
if you're, you, you have, you're alive and you're breathing, you, you've been created in the Imago Dei. Imago Dei just means image of God. Um, so you're, you, you're, the uh, intention is for you to be somewhere inside that circle. But things come up sometimes. Um, things don't go so well. We might, we might get outside of the image of God at some point. And, and so I'm going to go into the left side of that. And the next slide is just this. We have, sometimes we live outside of it because of disgrace. Disgrace comes from things that we've done. We've disgraced ourselves. We've, we, we've come outside of grace. We've sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And now we kind of live in this idea like, well, this is who I am. I'm a complete third of a human being. It's because of things that I've done. We've broken relationships. We've committed sins of things we've done. But sometimes things happen to us that are outside of our control, and it's humiliation. Humiliation happens from an outside force coming to you, things that, that, that happen to you. You can put that next slide up, or maybe I can. Yeah, thank you. Um, it's outside forces, things that have come to you, and you have been humiliated by something that has happened or by people who've done certain things. And all of those things contribute to a negative view of self and destroy our confidence in being created in the likeness of God. This is not who God created us to be. Now, I will say that, that uh, and, I, and I regret not saying this last week, um, uh, that it's not just sin that causes these things for us to feel like we're living with negative view of self, with negative self-esteem. Sometimes there's just things that are, that are going on, like physically and physiologically. And, and if you are feeling that anxiety and depression, and there's no sin in your life, and it's not necessarily humiliation, then there's probably some, some good reason to go get some help. Go get some counseling. Go to a doctor. That you are not meant to live like that. You are created in the image of God. Now let's get to that point. So here's the thing. Let's come back to like the sinful side of things that cause us to think we live in disgrace and humiliation. We, we see this characterized in the church. The church has done a really good job at lowering our self-esteem. We have it in our hymnody. We sing the song, uh, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a, a wretch like who? Me. Yeah. Not like a wretch like you. It's a wretch like me. Now, that's a great hymn of our faith, to be honest with you. Like, it's trying to compare and contrast our, the gravity of our sin with the greatness of grace. Now, I, I get that. So, so let's... let's hang on to that. It's good. But also, let's recognize that are we really wretched when we're created in the Imago Dei? Here's another one. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die, uh, for he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I. I'm a worm! I'm good for nothing but bait. That's it. That's all I'm good for because I'm a terrible human being. We sang rock, a little snippet of Rock of Ages. Here's like the eighth verse of Rock of Ages. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. 
because I've got nothing. And, and there's value to that. There really is. There's value to recognizing that we are nothing without the blood of Jesus Christ. All of that comes from the concept of original sin. We talked about that a little bit in the first week, and Mariah talked about it again last week in, in the consumption thing. There's this deception by the serpent and eating the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and all those things. Sin for certain has caused a disruption of the original intent for us to be created in God's image. Sin has caused a disruption in that, and sin takes us outside of God's plan. However, the problem with our relationship with self is it becomes this. It, sin becomes our identity. Or disgracefulness, you can put that, that next slide up. That disgracefulness becomes our identity when we only live in disgrace and humiliation. Because I've got nothing else to offer and we forget completely that we were meant to be in the Imago Dei, that we're meant to be restored image bearers of God. So that's one side. God has redeemed us out of that and restored us back to the Imago Dei through Jesus Christ. That's one side. The other side of disgrace and humiliation, we've got this. We've got pride. Pride. Pride is a deep pleasure from your own achievements. Look at all the things I've done. Look at all the things I've accomplished. I could tell you, and I will. I'm going to just now. Because I already talked about the Hartford Fair and my wife and the 4-H club. Man, this was 25 years ago or more. I haven't done the math on that, but I was really good at it, showing llamas. That was that was their that was our livestock, llamas. You know the tall fuzzy thing. I could show a llama. I got hired to show llamas. I have a tr a box of trophies of llamas. People paid me to show llamas for them. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself for those achievements and those accomplishments that mean absolutely jack squat now. Like there's that means nothing. But I have those. I did them. And then there's arrogance. That's pride, accomplishing, or pleasure from your own achievements. Now, that's not always bad, to be honest with you. There is a, a thing, a, such a thing as healthy sense of pride. You can take pride in, in your work, in your home. Take pride to keep things tidy and clean. Uh, do your best at all times, those kinds of things. But arrogance is an exaggerated sense of your own importance. Now, my kids are not here. I have two daughters. One is... 14 going 15, the other one's 17. My 14-year-old comes with me early to worship every Sunday. We have to, like, put up tables and chairs and stuff. She does all of that. She comes in at 8 o'clock every Sunday and sets all the tables and chairs up. She gets coffees and stuff ready. Well, two Sundays ago, a lot of people weren't going to be there. And so she knew she had to do that. She had to, she had to actually set up the coffee by herself. She had to put up the signs. And then her sister said, hey, can you run the computer today? And she's like, I have to do everything around here. I got to do it all. <laughs> I'm like, OK, take it down a notch. All right, talk to me when you have to do music and preach. OK, that's coming. Um, she had this 
exaggerated view of her own importance. I got to do it all around here. That's arrogance. Now she's like the sweetest human being you could find. Okay, uh, she was halfway teasing about that. But since she wasn't here, I could tell the story. It goes beyond the imago dei when we view ourselves as more important than actually reflecting the image of God. Especially when we understand that we've been redeemed and restored through Jesus Christ to reflect the image of Jesus in our life who was a humble servant. We are not more important than Jesus Christ who came to serve us What's interesting is that often pride and arrogance actually come from a deep place of lack where self-esteem has been injured. And so to overcome our self-esteem, we project a higher than natural view of ourselves through pride and arrogance. We try to impress others so that we raise our own value at least in the eyes of other people. Paul actually addresses this topic in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. And in, in reality, the Bible speaks more to pride and arrogance than it does to disgrace and humiliation. Um, uh, in the Bible, the problem actually is pride. These days, you know, with 85% of us having some sort of low self-esteem, we, we have a different problem. Romans 12, 3, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. All right, this passage is fantastic. I come back to it a lot because I need it. I need it. Um, but let's get let's nerd out a little bit. Like I like the Greek. Kevin, do y'all do Greek around here? Sometimes. Okay. So we're gonna do a little Greek. Let's get Greeky with it. All right. Here's the word think. The word think is phroneo. You say it? Phroneo. Phroneo. Think in Greek is phroneo. But to think more highly is hyperphroneo. Ah, that makes sense, actually, doesn't it? Hyper, you put a hyper on front of anything, it means like extra, it means more. Hyperphroneo. But sober judgment, like thinking a little more lowly, is sophroneo. Sophroneo. So the verse actually looks something like this. Don't hyperphroneo more highly than you ought to phroneo, but phroneo with sophroneo. <laughs> Isn't that kind of crazy? But, but you get the idea. In other words, he's saying, it's all in your head. You're not as cool as you think you are. Whereas I tell the kids, you're not as things as you cool you are. All right? It's all up here. That there's, here, oh yeah, here's something else that's pretty cool. We go back to the 2 Timothy 1 passage that I read, 2 Timothy 1 7. Uh, it says, For the Spirit of God gave us, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and sophroneo. It's the same thing. The last word, sophroneo. God didn't make you to be timid and think less of yourself. God didn't make you to think more than of yourself. God wants us to be sound, disciplined minds, so phroneo, to have good thoughts of ourselves, not too low and not too high. No one can define your sense 
of self-worth to accept God. Only God can do that. Statistics tell us that we think less of ourselves than we should. There are some of us who think more of ourselves than we should. But the reality is that we should have this. We should have humble confidence, humble confidence in our Imago Dei. That's the next slide, if you could put that up there. We should have humble confidence in our Imago Dei. There's no room for us to have pride and arrogance in something that we did not do, we did not accomplish on our own. We must be humble. If humiliation is an outward force, uh, humility is an inward motivator. There's no reason for us to be confident. Uh, There's no reason for us not to be confident in the imago dei in which we were created. But we got to have humble confidence in our imago dei. And we have a responsibility to bear that image. If it's sinful to live in pride and arrogance, it's just as sinful to live in disgrace and humiliation. You must be confident in who God created you to be. You could suffer the worst humiliation that's ever been suffered, like Job, all the things that went wrong in Job's life. You could lose it all. You could lose all your relationships. You can lose all your money, all your house, all your wealth. You'll never lose your Imago Dei. It's the one thing that you can never lose and nobody can take it from you. Your self-worth doesn't come from what other people think of you, what possessions you have, what relationships you maintain. All of that can go away. Your value comes from God. I wonder if anybody's been putting into practice the the little challenges that we created for this series, fasting from this or that, or uh, taking on a certain discipline. I I hope you've done that. Um, But here's this week's practice. Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love who? Yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. People who are in states of depression, states of like negative self-esteem, negative self-talk, those kinds of things. They report that one of the best ways to get out of that state is to serve others. Start thinking of other people other than yourself. Just start thinking thinking like, how would I like to be loved in this situation? I'm going to go love that person. And one, that's just one of the ways that, uh, that people find that helpful for them to come out of those, those negative views of self. What's interesting is the people who have pride and arrogance as a struggle, guess what one of the ways to come out of that is? Start thinking about other people. Let me start thinking about how to treat other people and see them as human beings and love them as Christ would love. And then that takes away the edge of pride and arrogance. Those practices help us come back to the imago dei that we are created to be. I would be willing to bet that all of us are on that line somewhere, whether we're in that, that, that moment of, of disgrace, humiliation, negative self-view, negative self-esteem, or maybe we're on this side of the pride and arrogance, or somewhere in between, or maybe we are humbly confident. We are in the image of God, and we're kind of just living it out, and, and I'm confident in it. It's good. But guess what? The result of being made in the image of God is. 
that we think of others, we serve others, and we love others as Jesus loves us. It's interesting to me that the remedy for both sides of those is to be thinking of others, and the result of thinking of others is thinking of others. (laughs) Because that is the image of God. As image bearers, we're supposed to love others as we have been loved and as we would want to be loved. So this week, that's our challenge to you. Take a minute. Think about somebody who might need a little bit of love and care. Think outside of your own four walls. Think about somebody who maybe you can share love with, that you can share um, a, a care and connection with them. Let's pray. God, as we wrap up our worship service, um, we ask that you put on our hearts and minds a thought of somebody who needs your care, needs us to um, maybe reach out and bless them. We ask, Lord, um, to give us a positive view of our image-bearing responsibility that we could stand humbly confident in who you created us to be, that we could um, step out from this place, this protected place, this wonderful place. But when we go out from here, it's not going to be as easy. Somebody's definitely going to say something that will give us a negative view of ourselves. Somebody's going to say something that might make us too proud or arrogant. Help us to be confident in you and humbly receive what you have for us and then just pass it on. Pass it on to those who need your love. We pray all these things.